during this entire quarantine deal, all the you know, I, I read a whole bunch of articles, watch a whole bunch of videos about what's going to happen next or, or how we come out of this quarantine, particularly related to church, what we do when it comes to church, when we come out of this quarantine, what is it going to look like? How do we plan for it? Things we can try to anticipate. Um, but in reality, we don't really know what the next step is going to look like. You know, I mean, before any of this started, we all felt good about our lives and how things were rolling. We were comfortable with it because we were used to it. Even coming to church, you know, we would drive up and get out and come in and sit down and sing and listen and go home. I mean, we were used to that because it's what we did. Or uh, maybe we, on Sunday mornings, we just woke up, went in the other room, popped on Netflix. We were good to go. I mean, we were used to it. And then come mid-March, everything is disrupted. Everything changes. And so the, the next thing that happens is we're stuck in our homes. You know, businesses aren't allowed to have many people in them. Restaurants have to only do to go. Churches are advised to not, you know, let people in the facilities to keep functioning as a church through digital medium like this. But things changed. But now we've been doing this for over two months and it's grown comfortable again. We get up and we do it and we watch church online like this and we participate in church online. It's a, a different uh, uh, um, avenue, a different method, uh, but it's we've become accustomed to it now, having done it for eight, nine weeks in a row. Uh, but w- how do we anticipate what comes next? What's that going to look like? I mean, we've tried to think through all of the elements, all of the different um, scenarios, but you can't anticipate everything. And that's that's the key right there. Is even though we know there is a next coming. We don't really know everything it's going to look like. And so this is faith. We have to trust God. We have to trust that God knows what's coming. And so we listen to him and we follow him and we uh, uh, listen to his, his guidance in, in planning for that, not just in returning to a church facility, a church building, but in our own individual lives. And that's what we're going to see today in this behind-the-scenes series. You know, we're looking at the highlights of Scripture of individuals in scripture and then the behind the scenes that led to those highlight reels that we see and 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 look forward to we're looking at different highlights in scripture that even people who don't know God or follow God or believe in God have heard of many of these highlights but the behind the scenes that led to those present principles faith principles that we can all apply to our lives here and now and this guy we're going to look at today he was given uh, uh, an anticipation, I don't even know how you phrase it. He was given the concept from God, something's coming next, but he didn't really know what it was. He didn't know how to approach it. All that God told him was something's coming, follow me. And that's what we're experiencing now. Something's coming, follow me. And so we're going to be looking at the man, Joshua. Joshua He's told something's coming, but just follow me, follow my guidance, follow my direction, follow my leadership and you will see what's coming and where I am taking you in the process. So God is going to lead Joshua if he will simply listen. Now, the thing about Joshua was Joshua had been a slave in Egypt with the Israelites. He was there with the Israelites in Egypt as a slave and having been raised a slave, grown up as a slave. And he was there when Moses showed up on the scene and led the people out of Egypt 
Joshua was there when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army came. Joshua was there when the Red Sea parted and they walked across and Pharaoh's army went into the middle of the Red Sea and the Red Sea collapsed on them and the army died and the Israelites were saved. Joshua was there with them. Joshua was there when the Israelites said, we don't believe God has power enough to give us the promised land. Joshua was there when God said, well, the, everyone who doesn't believe will be removed from my presence before we go in there. And Joshua was there 40 years later when all those who doubted died, had died. Over 40 years, everyone who doubted God could do what he said he would do died. And then they were going to enter into the promised land. And they crossed the Jordan River. And they step into the promised land. Now Joshua's the leader. Moses is dead. Joshua's in charge. They come up to the very first city they're going to hit. And I guarantee you, you've heard of this city, Jericho. Jericho. Joshua's got a song named after him with Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. So every time I think of that song uh, or, or hear it in my head, I hear Willa Dorsey singing it. You need to go look her up on YouTube singing this song. It's incredible. She belts it out. I was in the room multiple times when she would sing this song. She came to our church many times. She came to our house. My dad was a music minister and sat at our piano in our in our in our house and, and played and sang. It was incredible, but uh, she can really belt it. She's in heaven now, so she can really belt it now. But uh, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. So he's leading the people to Jericho, and God comes to Joshua and says, you're going to take Jericho. But he doesn't give him specifics yet. He tells him, all you're going to do when you're going to take Jericho is you're going to walk around the city, and I'm going to do it. You see, this is very important too, because remember what I just told you. The Israelites were slaves. Then they walked around for 40 years, and now they're supposed to go conquer a, an entire region of the world. They're not fighters. They're not trained. They don't know. And so what God is telling them is don't worry about it. I'm going to do it for you. And so they walk up to Jericho, and they're supposed to walk around the city one time every day for six days, and then come day seven, they're supposed to walk around the city seven times. And so they walk around the city seven times and then these trumpets blare and they shout and the walls of the city come smashing to the ground and they run into the city and, and they conquer it and so they fought the battle of jericho quote unquote really god fought the battle of jericho and the israelites took the victory and then they they, they find victory after victory after victory and they come to a point where other people in the region are hearing about all the victories that the israelites are winning and they're getting scared. And so several of those kings who are in the region uh, uh, form an alliance against the Israelites because they're scared. Uh, these are the Amorites. And they form this alliance against them. And they're going to go and they're going to fight the Israelites. All these kings and their armies join together. Uh, and they're going to fight against the Israelites. Uh, and God comes to Joshua and says, you are going to beat them. You're going to defeat them. You are going to win. He says, this day, God tells Joshua, this very day you will find victory before the sun sets and so they go out to battle and the Israelites are winning and the Israelites are winning and the sun starts to go down in the sky and Joshua sees this knowing the promise of God before the sun sets you will find victory over them and so Joshua prays God the sun's going down don't let the sun go down before we have victory and so what God does is in Joshua chapter 10 he causes the sun to freeze in the sky for 24 hours it doesn't go down so the so picture it right the Israelites are winning the battle the Amorites are running scared, running for the woods, trying to find cover so that when the sun sets, they can flee. And so they run, uh, and the sun never sets. 
And the Israelites chased them down and win the victory. But what's also interesting is God starts throwing hailstones from the sky. And we're not talking little tiny, you know, tennis ball size hailstones. Not the tennis ball size hailstones are small or marble or quarter size. I and mean, we're talking like, you know, Volkswagen size hailstones here, massive. It says that God took out more of the enemy with the hailstones than the Israelites did with their swords. So again, God wins the battle. And so that's what the book of Joshua is, victory after victory after victory. And he gets to the end of the book of Joshua. And Joshua gives up to give this speech to the people. And he tells the people, he says, all you people need to do is you just need to keep following God. He says, that's how we won all these victories. We just followed God. We didn't have a battle plan. We didn't know what we were doing. All we did was listen to what God said to do next. And God led us to the next step. Even though we know something's coming next, all we did was listen to what God was going to show us next. He says, so people listen to God, and the people respond to Joshua, we're going to listen to God. Joshua says, good. Now, whether you do or not, that's up to you. He says, I'm going to follow God. My family's going to follow God. So you people follow God. And they shout back, we will. And then Joshua dies. And that's Joshua's story. His, he has a, has a, his story is of uh, a phenomenal victory. He has a success story because he, he found success after success everywhere he went because he followed God. And now let's look at what happened that led to this moment. So let's look at Joshua chapter 1. You see, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, Joshua kind of served as Moses' assistant, kind of Moses' assistant, yeah, uh, kind of Moses' sidekick. And he would go up on the mountain with Moses when Moses would talk to God and he would see Moses converse with God. He would come down and watch how Moses communicated with the people. He was always observing. And then God said, Joshua's going to be the man who's going to lead the people. And so God's now got to get Joshua ready for what's about to occur. So Joshua chapter 1, we're getting ready for this process. God preparing Joshua so that Joshua can prepare the people so they can go and take the land, the land of promise, the land of promise that God wants them to pursue. That's the title of the message. Pursue the promise. Pursue the promise. So let's look at Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So God tells Moses, or tells Joshua, Moses is dead, get up. He says, arise, go over the Jordan. Arise, go over the Jordan. Now, this is significant. He tells him that Moses is dead, which Joshua would not have known. Because what we find out about Moses' death is that Moses went up on a mountain, talked with God. Moses died on the mountain by himself with God. Then God took Moses' body and buried it somewhere that nobody knows. So God did that. And so now, as soon as that happened, God comes to Joshua and says, okay, Moses is dead, and it's time for you to go. He said, arise, go. Arise, go. Go to the land that I am giving you. So God's again affirming the promise. I'm giving you a land. I'm giving you something. I'm giving you a, a, a gift. So go over there and get it. Go over there and take it. Look at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, 
I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Now, this is a reminder of the promise. Every place that you step, every place you put your foot is uh, yours, is given to you just as I promised to Moses. And then he kind of outlines where it is. He says, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So he says, all this place is going to be yours. Everywhere you set your foot will be yours. This is a, a promise to the people. If they would pursue it, if they would go. Remember, he told them first before he reaffirmed what the promise was that they have to get up and go into the land to get it. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And so God gives Joshua uh, and the people ultimately gives them this promise that no one will be able to stand against them. If they would simply follow God's direction, follow God's guidance, every step they take, every victory they win, God will always be with them. That's what he said. I will never leave you or forsake you. No one will be able to stand against you. You will have no enemy strong enough to stand against you because I, God, am with you. I am God and no one is stronger than me. And so that's what he's saying. That no one can stand against them. Verse Six, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So he says, be strong and courageous, for you, Joshua, will cause the people to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Not weak, not minimal, not scared. He says, be strong and courageous, for you... Uh, will cause the people to inherit what I swore, what I promised to give. So be, he's encouraging Joshua to be uh, strong in the faith to fulfill the promise God already gave. So he says, Joshua, if you believe me, God, that I, God, am who I say I am, that I, God, will fulfill my promise, then you can be strong. You're not being strong in yourself or being strong in God because God is the one who's going to fulfill the promise. Now look at verse... Um, Seven, he says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. He tells him, if you want to have good success, follow the law that Moses gave you. Now, he's saying scripture. The law that Moses gave them was scripture. That's all the scripture they had. So follow scripture and you will have good success wherever you go. Every step you take to take the land that is promised to you, you will have good success if you follow scripture. Follow scripture's direction, which scripture is the word of God. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It shall be in your mouth. You shall talk about it, but you shall meditate on it. It shall be in your mind day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, so that you can do it, so you can follow it, so you can listen to it, so you can obey it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. So you will have a prosperous way that will be successful. Prosperity and success there in verse 8. So you follow Scripture and have Scripture as a permeating every part of your life. There you will find 
prosperity and success. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, so again, he says, do, be strong and courageous because God is with you. Be strong and courageous, not on your own merit, not on your own strength, but be strong and courageous because God is with you. That's where your strength and courage come from. Nowhere else, nobody else, only from God. Now, we look at all this, and we see this. We see that God gave the people a gift, the, the land, the promised land, but the people had to go up and take it. He promised that the land would be theirs if they would simply go and take it. Notice that in verse 3 where he says, Every place you set your foot will, uh, that your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. So he had to go into the land. They had to walk around the land. They had to tread on the land. They had to take the land. And then they would receive what God gave them. So they had to go and do it. They didn't just uh, have to sit back and let God do all the work. They had to go and actively be a part of God's promise. So what they had to do is what the title of the message was. They had to pursue the promise. Pursue the promise. And that's what we need to do today as well in our own lives. We need to pursue the promise. We can't just assume that God's promise, God's activity is just going to drop into our lap and we don't have to do anything. We can just sit back and do the, uh, the remote on the TV and watch Netflix. We can stream whatever we want to stream and not listen to anything. We just pray about stuff to happen and, and want God to do all the work and not us have to do any work. That's not to say God can't. God absolutely can do anything and everything. Uh, uh, he totally can do those. He can totally drop whatever you know we ask in our laps. And many times he's done that. And I've seen that. But there's also been a lot of times, just to be honest with transparent with you, that I've prayed for things wanting subconsciously, not admitting it verbally, but subconsciously wanting God to do all the work. You know, wanting God to to supernaturally do something without me having to be a part of it because it was uncomfortable, because it was difficult. And that in itself is really a lack of faith on my part. To pursue the promise means to receive a word from God and then act on it. Act on it. Pray for something to come about and then act on it so that if I bring the natural to the situation and God brings the super, it becomes a supernatural occasion because God, my, God and me, we are working in tandem to accomplish the same thing. Obviously, he's doing more than me. But like I mentioned earlier in the battle in Joshua chapter 10, God rained the, the stones from the sky, but the Israelites still had to fight the battle. Or, or even in Joshua chapter 6 with Jericho, the Israelites still had to walk around the city. God did the fighting come day seven, but the Israelites still had to be present. The Israelites still had to do work. The Israelites still had to be walking. They still had to tread upon the land. They had to pursue the promise, not just let the promise fall where it may. They had to pursue it, pursue the promise. You see, a faith that requires nothing of me is really no faith at all. David spoke about this in 2 Samuel chapter 24. David was going to offer an offering to God, and somebody said, well, hey, you know, I'll give it to you. You're the king, King David. I'll give you the offering so you don't have to, you know, pay for it or anything like that. And David said, no, 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 no. You're missing the point of this thing. He says, I will not offer to the Lord my God an offering that costs me nothing because an offering that costs me nothing is no offering at all. 
is no, has no faith behind it at all, is no sacrifice at all. If it's not really a sacrifice, then it's not really an offering. And so that's the key here is pursuing the promise means doing is it means getting up and doing sometimes doing something uncomfortable, doing something that 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 we don't necessarily uh, like in the moment. But uh, because it is hard or it's problematic or it's taking longer than we thought it would. But pursuing the promise means listening to God for the very next step, even when that next step is difficult, even when the next step isn't the conclusion, but it's step three of 98, and we don't know that it's going to take 98 steps to get where we're going when we're on step three. We're hoping this thing's over by step five, but God says, I've got a bigger plan. I've got something greater in mind than what you're thinking. And so pursuing the promise means getting up and, and following God for the very next step that he has. But how should we pursue the promise? By what means should we pursue the promise? Well, that, those nine verses we read right there talks about it. You see, what does God say over and over throughout this section of Scripture? He says, be strong and courageous. We must have a strength of faith. So to pursue the promise, we must have a strength of faith. And so, but how can we have strong faith? How can we get strong faith? What can we do to acquire strong faith? How can we demonstrate strong faith? Well, let's look in that scripture. At each time, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. He's going to outline for us in three steps how we can have strong faith. You see, strength of faith comes from the promise. Look at verse uh, 6. Up in verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore, I swore, that's the promise, I swore to their fathers to give them. So he says, be strong and courageous because of this promise. Be strong and courageous because I'm giving you this promise. Because I'm giving you this promise, you can be strong and courageous. So strength of faith comes from the promise. The promise strengthens us and guides us and, and pushes us forward. Now, let's look at the next uh, uh, occasion where God says this in verse 7 only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law of my servant uh, Moses my servant commanded you and you will and then later on you have good success wherever you go so be strong and very courageous that strength that courage that that strength of faith comes from scripture the word so strength of faith comes from the promise. It comes from the word. The word is God's words. God's words to us strengthen us and guide us and move us forward into everything he has for us. We can find great strength in God's words. When our inner voice is running away from us, we can find strength to recenter us and refocus us and recalibrate our insides with scripture. And so strength of faith, strength and courage comes from the promise. It comes from the word. And then look down in verse 9. It comes from the presence. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's presence is with you wherever you go. So the strength and the courage come from God's presence as well. God is there with us. God is there with us. So we can have a strength of faith through the promise, through the word, and through his presence. So we need to 
uh, focus on those three things. And when those three are our focus, we can experience strength of faith. We can experience that strength of faith. So we need to be pursuing the promise with strength of faith. Pursuing the promise with the strength of faith. Remember, God told uh, Joshua to uh, uh, pursue the promise, to go up into the land and take the land, pursue the promise, and he tells him to do it with the strength of faith, be strong and courageous. So we need to pursue the promise with strength of faith, with strength of faith. Now, that strength of faith is is interesting. I was uh, recently watching a guy share his testimony. He was a pastor. Um, He's a pastor, honestly, that many churches would not have hired. Uh, he was he's, he was struggling at one point. He was uh, in jail at one point, facing some very difficult charges. Uh, he didn't have a seminary education. Honestly, he didn't even have a college education. And this church calls him to be their pastor. He's young. Um, he's never pastored before. And all that he has going for him is that he listens to God. He listens to God, and he's a pastor of this church, and God gives him this word uh, with, I mean, the first year that he's a pastor of this church, even though they're, you know, they're a smaller church, they don't have a whole lot of finances. God says, you are going to, as a church, you are going to be a, uh, uh, you're going to sell your building that you're in now, a renovated grocery store, and you're going to go, and that arena, that stadium down the street, that's where your church is going to be. And so he heard this word from God, he didn't tell anybody at first, but then when he started telling people, you had the people who were like, uh, yeah, you're nuts. You're, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever, and they left. Then you had other people who just said, yeah, you're nuts, and they stayed because they liked being a part of something that was crazy. And then you had people who, who completely backed him, and they followed him. And uh, uh, they had this, yeah, I think he, he had been pastor now four and a half years or so, and they were going to have this conference, and they were going to use that arena, that stadium down the street for their conference. And they sold tickets, and they brought in speakers to, to come and, and speak and do this really special conference deal. And it was going to be a Friday-Saturday conference. And they were going to go back to their church, their storefront church, on Sunday. Well, on Saturday, he's praying and listening to God, which is another reason why it's very important to listen to the Lord. He's listening to God, and God tells him, you're not going back to that other church. You're not going back to that other building. This is your building here from now on. And he says, well, uh, God, uh, Number one, we don't have enough people to fill this place up. Number two, we don't have enough money to pay for this place. Number three, we don't even have enough money to pay for the equipment for this place. All the equipment we have right now, we rented for the conference, and the tickets for the conference paid for all the equipment. We don't even have enough money to pay for the equipment for tomorrow, this Sunday service. And so he goes in, and being a guy who listens to God and follows God, pursues the promise, he tells his group, his team, he says, guys, God says we're not going back down the street. God says this is where we're going to be having church from now on. And and they kind of, you know, kind of hold their breath like, um, uh, they're thinking through all the logistics, like how is this going to function? How is this, how's this possible? But he said, I don't know how it's possible. I don't know. All I know is this is what God wants us to do, and, and we need to do the next thing. Uh, I don't know how it's going to take place. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to, you know, let everyone know that this is where we're going to be. And so they, he had had a, a special guest speaker who was going to come in and speak at their church the next day at the other 
location at the other building and he told the guy who was a pastor well that pastor went to his church called him on the phone called his leadership uh, about the situation and they called the rental company that had provided all of the cameras and the sound equipment and all this stuff for the conference and uh, that pastor who was going to speak at the church the next day had his church pay for all the equipment for one more day's rental Uh, well they did church that next day and he stood up before him and says, hey, we're not going back down the street. We're having church here next week. And everybody yelled, yeah, excited. Well, that afternoon, the rental company comes, takes all the equipment out. The other rental company comes, takes all the chairs out. Uh, and he's got this picture of him just standing in the middle of this completely empty arena. And they have seven days before they're supposed to have church again. They have no sound equipment. They have no video equipment. They have no chairs. They don't have enough people to fill the place. And they don't have enough money to pay for it. But all he knew was, This is where God wants us to be. And so they met there that next Sunday. God provided throughout the week. God provided everything they needed. And they met there. And they met there. And uh, they put an offer down, finally, um, on this place. And it was accepted. And uh, again, they they were going to buy this arena, not having enough people, not having enough, enough money. Every experience in education would say, no. Do not do this. This is foolish. This is bad. But God said, do it. And so they bought this arena for $10 million. And it was going to take them forever to pay off that loan. Uh, And so they actually moved into this place this past September, last September, uh, 2019. And they move in there. And uh, just stepping out on faith, having a strength of faith that God knew what he was doing better than they did. And they paid that off, $10 million dollars in February having just moved in they paid it off crazy they stepped out in faith and God delivered in a big way in a big way they had a strength of faith when they pursued the promise and God came through just like he always does you don't need a big old fancy education you don't need a big old fancy you know, uh, resume. All you need is a willingness to follow God, is the faith to listen to God, and he will guide you. That's the story of Joshua. That's the story of this guy I was just telling you, Pastor Mike. That's the story of anyone who finds prosperity and success in the will of God is a strength of faith. Strength of faith when they pursue the promise. So pursue the promise with strength of faith. But then what does God promise here in verse 8? He promises prosperous success. Prosperous success. Now, we can break that down and say, well, what does that mean? What does it look like to be prosperous and have success? That's in God's will. That's prosperity and success as God defines it, as God means it in his will, in his plan. But successful prosperity followed strength of faith for Joshua If he did three things with God's words in Joshua 1 verse 8, he did three things with God's words and that brought about prosperous success in his life, a successful life when he did those three things, all right? So a successful life comes when we do three things with God's words. Principles for us today. Number one, when we talk about them, look at verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It shall not depart from your mouth. When we talk about God's words, when we talk about what God is doing, when we talk about God's words and work, when it's in our mouth, in our conversation, that's step one have towards having a successful life in God's plan. It's having God's words in our mouth. 
Step two is when we think about them, he says, meditate on them day and night. So think about them. You talk about them, you think about them, you focus on them. They're always in everything you're doing. They're a part of who you are. And when they're a part of who you are, as in your mouth and in your mind, then you live by them. Look at the rest of verse 8. Uh, be careful. And so when you, think, when you talk about them, when you think about them, uh, you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then God will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So to have a successful life, you do those three things with God's words. You talk about them, you think about them, and you do them, you live them, and they become instrumental in who you are and in everything you do from that point forward. You, you, you make God's words like they're, like they're baked into your soul. You follow God's words. You follow God's direction. You pursue the promise with strength of faith to have a successful life. You pursue the promise with strength of faith to have a successful life. And that's why Joshua's biography is, is one of victory after victory, an unequaled success story. Because he pursued the promise with strength of faith and he had that successful life. Joshua, though, he does not succeed because he follows the Lord. He succeeds because the Lord strengthens him to be able to follow his guidance. You see, it begins and it ends with God, not with Joshua, not because of what Joshua is able to do, but because Joshua is strengthened by God, he is able to accomplish what he accomplishes. God fulfills Joshua's role in Joshua's life because Joshua follows God. It's all about God's leadership, God's guidance, God's plan. It's all about God about uh, uh, how God's plan was to bring Joshua to success, not man's perception of success, not Joshua's perception of what a successful life would look like, but God's definition for a successful life. And so Joshua pursued the promise with strength of faith, and he had a successful life. So whatever the promise is God's put on your life, are you pursuing it? Are you actively chasing it down with a strength of faith? You see, God's teaching me all kinds of stuff about faith right now. We're going to start a brand new series come June 7th when we're meeting physically again in the room. It's on big faith. And, and the stuff that I thought about faith is not even compared to what uh, uh, I have been learning what faith truly is. And we're going to examine that uh, just as God's been unpacking it in my spirit. But Joshua was a man who lived faith, who walked faith, who breathed faith. It was in his mouth. It was in his mind. It was in his life. It was in every part of who he was. He was defined as a man who followed in faith after God. And so we need, we need to have that define us as well. Pursuing in faith God's plan. Pursue the promise with strength of faith to have a successful life. Success as God wants it. Now, we all want success to some degree, however we would define it, however we would envision it in our minds. But in a world where we are all pursuing some version of our own shifting perception of success, what we think of success when we're a kid differs from what we think of success when we're a teenager, differs from what we think of success when we're in our 20s, when we're in our 30s, when we're in our 40s, when we're in our 60s, and so on. In a world where we're all pursuing some version of our shifting perception of success, God can provide a steadfast, unwavering truth. You ready for it? You ready for it? 
Success is given, not achieved. Success is given, not achieved. You see, when you achieve success by the world's definition, it can go away. It can be taken away. It can be removed as time goes on. Just as fast as you got it, it can be taken. You, you, it can take you your whole life to achieve what the world calls success, and you can lose it in a moment, in a second, in a tweet, in a post. You can lose it instantly. But true success, God's success, is given and can never be removed. Success is given, not achieved. When you pursue the promise and if you want to pursue the promise, put it in the comment section. Pursue the promise. I'm pursuing the promise. When you pursue the promise, you could find that success when you step out in faith, in strength of faith. See, if today, if you want to receive that success, the beginnings of that success, what it takes is it takes a belief that Jesus is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven, and then he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. And so if you want to believe in Jesus, if you want to receive that successful life, that's where it starts. And so if you want to believe right now, believe in Jesus. I'm going to pray in a minute, but if you want to believe, I encourage you, go ahead and click that link below me or that button below me that says, I have a decision. You tell us that you want that. That'll come straight to my email and I'll see that and I'll celebrate with you. And uh, not we're not going to spam you or any of that jazz, but I just want to celebrate with you. Or you can even just put it in the comments section. I'm believing today for the first time. Send us a DM, and we'll reach out to you, and we'll get with you and, and uh, uh, celebrate what God is doing in your life. Pursue the promise, and pursuing the promise begins with the belief in Jesus. But as you pursue that promise, as you believe, if God is placing it on your heart right now, a promise that, that he has given to you that you have ignored because you thought it absolutely impossible and your strength of faith has wavered as time has gone on because you thought it too outlandish for God to do, then right now is the moment to pursue the promise with a strength of faith to have a successful life. Are you ready for what God is about to do? Are you ready for what's next even though you don't know the how it's going to happen, even if you don't know the when of when it's going to take place? But to see it come to realization and fruition, all you have to do is follow God and what he says to do for the next step. Pursue the promise. So will you pursue the promise today? Pursue the promise. Pursue the promise. Put it in the comments, like I said. If you want strength of faith, put I want strength of faith in the comments. section. Strength of faith. Pursue the promise with the strength of faith to have a successful life.